Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello all and welcome back. Today we are hitting what uh, I believe is actually the first acronym of of the podcast. Uh, if you are a regular listener, you will still, still soon understand that, <laughs> oh, DBT loves, loves the acronyms. Um, uh, I, personally, think this is the one where they stretch the furthest, so it's a little annoying, but, um, Michelle gets to cover the part I don't like, so, ha <laughs> Yes, uh, I do. So today, we are talking about super basic self-care and the... Uh, acronym that we will be using is the word please. Yes. Which I like to think of as please take care of yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) So Michelle is going to start us off and we'll work our way through the word. Yeah. And I think it's also important to point out that this is not only our first acronym skill. Acronym? I don't know. (laughs) Words are hard, Kate. They're hard sometimes. Acronym. I want to know what an acronym is now. I don't even know. Um... (laughs) It's not only our first acronym, it's also technically our first emotion regulation skill. Oh, Because we did have, true. you know, we talked about emotions 101 as we put it. We did that for a couple episodes. We've talked about emotion myths, but this is the first skill, skill. we're diving into that's part of the emotion regulation module. And like Kate said, I mean, we're going to be talking about some pretty basic stuff today and at the same time. Um, our goal in having this discussion is to talk about how important each of these things are to regulating our emotions, especially as we keep going through the emotion regulation module and talking about more skills to come in the following weeks. This is the foundation, I would say. If you're not doing these things, regulating your emotions is going to be really difficult. Yeah. This is like your, I don't know, this fills your... Your gas tank. Mm-hmm. So that you have fuel to work with to do the other skills and make stuff work. Yeah. Without this, you're going to have lower resources. Yep, exactly. So we're really not only going to be talking today about why each of these things are important for general self-care, which they are, but we're really going to be talking about how they relate to regulating emotions. Yes. And when you're not doing these things, what that does. What can happen, and when you are doing them, how it can make things benefit better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How it can benefit you. So, like we said, it's an acronym, and I know we've been using that a little bit. Like, we've been talking about how DBT has so many acronyms, and they're going to come, and again, they're here. But in case... <laughs> they're acronyms, they're here. They are here. <laughs> and in case for any reason you're listening and you go, you know, you guys have been talking about acronym, but I don't actually remember what that is, or I don't know what that is. It's where each letter of the word stands for something else. So the acronym is PLEASE, and each of the letters stand for something. But DBT really tries to stretch it. And they do this with a few of the skills. So the first one I'm going to be talking about is actually the P and the L of please. But DBT is so hard to verbally explain. But DBT has them stand for physical. That's the P. 
And then illness is Ugh. the L. They just underline the L. It's wrong. An illness. Ugh. Yeah. It's so wrong. They could have come up. I could come up with good self-care L words. I swear I could. Now yeah. I want to know. But oh, I won't put you on the spot. I like, like, <laughs> love. I know um, that's the first thing I went to. Oh, yeah? I love yourself. Love's important. It is. Um, but the P and the L of please stand for physical illness in the DBT realm. That's how they made this. So... When it comes to physical illness, I broaden this out a little bit. I think it's not just about as straightforward as when you're sick, stay home. Yes, that's important. But I broaden out physical illness to mean if you have pain for any reason, whether it's chronic pain or whether it's very temporary pain. Like an injury. An injury, yeah, that would fall under this category of physical illness. If you have underlying health conditions that maybe you've had for a long time, such as diabetes or high blood pressure, or I don't know, it could be any number of things that would fall under physical illness. And the thing about managing physical illness, which again, I don't, it seems so straightforward of just like, well, just do it, you know, take care of yourself. <laughs> but I don't know. I think a lot of us are not as good at this as we want to believe. <laughs> well, and let's just give a shout out to recognize that at least those of uh, our listeners that are here in the USA, there is a huge culture around not. Yes. Taking care of yourself. Push through. Work anyway. Like there are places that give people bonuses who don't use their sick days. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, so have a little forgiveness for yourself too, humans, because you may not just be you who's bad mm-hmm. at taking care of your illness so much as you are not in a place that supports you yes. in doing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say for this one, like, I'll own it. You know, Kate and I, we worked together <laughs> for a while. And Kate was always very good about if she wasn't feeling well, she would go home early or she would call out. And I almost never did. And <laughs> she would get... I scolded you. Yeah, she would get on me about it. She was like, like, you have a cough. You should go home. Right, yeah. And I was like, it's not bad. Um, But it is really something that admittedly I've learned... I need to do a better job of myself. I also, when I was dancing and I had a hip injury, uh, I mean, I danced through pain for months and months and months and months because I didn't want to face the consequences of stopping and actually managing the pain. It didn't feel good to me. But it was one of those things where when we're in pain, when we're sick, when Anything is out of whack in those regards. When it comes to our emotions, it really impacts yeah, us. It drains um, the tank. Yeah, it does. And it's something where it's, for me anyways, when I'm in pain or when I'm sick, that's always in the back of my mind distracting me. And I mm-hmm. think it really, for me anyways, creates this fear that I'm trying to stuff down. Like, I'm feeling afraid of, like, okay, you know, how bad am I sick? Or, you know, am I hiding my pain well enough? Or whatever it is that, excuse me, then that's so distracting to me that I'm not... As present? Yeah, I'm distracted and not present. And also it's like any other emotions that are coming up, it's like I, I don't feel like I have the capacity to tend to them or tend to myself in other ways because this is pulling me away so then I don't know for example if 
you're in pain or you're struggling with an illness of sorts and then you go home and let's say we talk about dishes sometimes let's say your partner didn't do the dishes you're more likely to get upset about that because you have this larger thing looming in the background at least that's how it manifests yeah so you're more likely to be irritable yeah you're just more sensitive yeah on the whole yeah i would say so um so i don't know that's how that one shows up for me and maybe how it shows up for other people too of just you know, recognizing that that can be a big distraction mm-hmm. that can take up a lot of space. Even if we want to pretend it's not taking up space, it's in the background all the time, and then it makes it harder for us to just be even keeled. Well, and bringing it back to literal physical, mm-hmm. like, resources. Like, if, even if we discount, which, please don't, um, but <laughs> even if we discounted the emotional or mental resources, like, your body is literally working harder like you are actually expending more and different resources as your body is working to respond to the illness or as your body is responding to the pain that's going Mm -hmm. on right whether that be through you know white blood cells or you know histamine response or right like whatever's going on your body is having to deal with more shit. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah. And so both metaphorical resources and literal ones. Uh, if you're sick and in pain, it's taking stuff out of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you have anything. You just kind of added on to that it. Was, that was my add-on, <laughs> That I was guess. your add-on. Perfect. Um, so I guess we can move on to the first E, because there's two in please. Yes, and the first one is eating. Um, I actually, amusingly, the first thing I think about here, Michelle, is you. And <laughs> the fact that you talk about being hangry, because this is not a thing I experience. But yeah. I know it's a thing a lot of people do. And so it's one place where you can kind of immediately connect to the idea of, well... Not eating, (laughs) what does that do? But also there's not eating well, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but, you know, I have certainly on occasion indulged in an overabundance (laughs) of, like, junk food, just, like, crap of some sort being put into my body. And I just feel, well, Mm -hmm. like, right? I feel, I feel gross, but also, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm wandering a bit. What we put into our bodies has oftentimes immediate, sometimes more long-lasting, but impacts on us in so so many different ways. Sugar, caffeine, other stimulants, uh, right? That has sometimes desirable, sometimes undesirable impacts, right? If we eat a lot of carbohydrates or other heavy stuff, that has, like, sedating impacts and might make us tired and have a harder time, you know, engaging in our in our world. If we're eating too little, right, we're, we get actually, you get kind of stupid if you don't have enough sugar to work with, right? Your brain burns more calories than, I think, all right, correct me. Do you know this? It's, your brain is responsible so. for burning something like, oh, someone on the internet write me and correct me because I know I'm going to get this number wrong, but it's huge. It's like 75% of the calories that you take in are actually burned by your brain. Oh, I've never heard that before. That's yeah. interesting yeah. though, and I totally believe it. Your brain <laughs> is the is the thing, man, yeah. right? So if you aren't eating enough and regularly, you're literally going to have diminished mental capacity um, because your brain needs those calories to do its thing, right? So eating is a, you know, a mixture of different things. Eating, you know, baseline is eat, right? Very basic. Don't be starving, right? Like try and try and make sure you have regular access to food. If you have a busy life, if finding places to fit in meals is a big deal for you, um, stash snacks, Right? Like, have granola bars in your purse if you carry one, or in your briefcase, or in your car, or at your desk, or, you know, whatever 
you know, fits in your life, but have food that you can just grab, you know, kind of on the go in a moment's notice if fitting in real meals is a big problem in the way your life is structured. So first one is just eat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one layer above that is, you know, try and eat well. Right. Are we always going to be eating the healthiest option for us at any given moment? No. Hell no. <laughs> also, I'm a baker. Please, I couldn't. No, man. Like, dessert. <laughs> right? So this is not some, you know, this is, I don't know, I think probably you have, if you've listened to enough episodes, you know, Michelle and I aren't big on, like, preaching. Mm. Um, right? Like, being on our high horses. No one does this perfectly, and no one's expecting you to suddenly turn into a guru on any of these subjects. But think about it. Notice, Right? Certain people have, you know, different impacts by different foods. But notice, when every time I eat this, I feel really crappy. Or every time I eat this, I feel really good, right? So trying to tune in, maybe being more mindful when you eat, so you eat more slowly, or maybe you're giving your body more of what it is asking for. You might even try tuning in. What do I feel like eating? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and not, yeah, intuitive not emotionally. Yeah, intuitive eating is a big thing like, right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a huge thing, and it's awesome, right? So give your body the actual literal resources it needs so that you're not terribly distracted by hunger pains or by feeling nauseated by eating gross stuff or whatever, right? It can be distracting like Michelle was talking about with pain and illness. Um, and also give it what it needs to think, <laughs> to work with, to do. Do you have any other thoughts, Michelle? Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about being hangry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, yeah, it's it's a very real thing. And I think different people are raised with different habits around food. Like oh, depending absolutely. on what family cultural around food is huge. Yeah, exactly that. It's one of those things where depending on the messages that you were raised with with food, I mean, those can very easily carry over into adulthood and you may eat more like you did in childhood than you realize and one of the things for me that happened in my childhood was my mom ran a daycare out of our house and so meal times were very regimented. Uh, yeah. I mean, 8 a.m. was breakfast. Like, noon was lunch. We had snacks in the middle of the day. You know, 5.30 was dinner. It was really, really structured. And that's totally carried over to me in adulthood. Mm-hmm. And some would argue that's a really good thing, right? That I I have to, I mean, I have to eat breakfast. I can't, <laughs> I can't not eat breakfast. I will be getting dizzy by 11 a.m. I have to eat breakfast. That's just me. No shade on the people who don't eat breakfast, but like for me, I have to eat breakfast. I have very regular meal times. And my husband jokes with me and it's true. If we're eating dinner like anytime after 6.30, I'm already feeling the effects of it because my body's gotten so used Used to to that. Yeah, to having food at these regular times of day. And so again, depending on what fits for you or where you feel like you could use a tune-up, yeah, what we eat is really important, and also when we eat is super important, too. I mean, before you're going into anything major, any kind of big, like, presentation at work or... Hard conversation with your partner. Yeah, whatever it is, like, check in with yourself and be like, do I need to eat? And chances are, like, if you have not eaten for the last... I don't know, depending, everyone's a little different, and we're not nutritionists here, (laughs) so take what we say with a grain of salt, but, um, you know, if you haven't eaten for the last two to four hours, I would eat something, just a little something before the big thing, because you don't want that hunger to hit you in the middle of it, and then you're emotionally dysregulated as a result of it. It doesn't even have to look like being hangry, even though that's the typical term 
And for me, anyways, I will definitely validate that that's the emotion that hits. I just feel a whole lot more... Irritable. Yeah, I have a shorter fuse. I'm annoyed at everything. That's the emotion that hits for me when I'm not eating on as regular of a basis as my body is used to. But... Yeah, it is. It's just one of those things where you can find yourself feeling really, yeah, nervous, distracted, all over the place emotionally if your body's not getting the fuel it needs. And I like that you emphasized how important it is for that fuel just for our brain function. Yeah. It's really, really important. It really is. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to the next one, the A in please. Again, (laughs) they, they stretch it a little bit. The A stands for avoid mood-altering substances. And before you jump to it, because there are maybe some of you listening going, ah, well, I can skip this one because I don't use drugs. Like, (laughs) I don't drink alcohol. I don't use drugs. Mm. Listen up anyways, because Kate touched on it a little bit with the eating one, which feeds in pretty nicely. Do you drink coffee every day? Do you eat Chocolate on a regular basis. Yep. Do you use energy drinks? Sugar. Yep. Sugar. Sugar counts as mood-altering drugs. Uh, Drug. Well, not drug. But mood-altering substance. There we go. That's what I mean to say. It counts. So, more than likely, yes, there may be some people out there who literally don't ever use any of those. (laughs) But chances are you use... Something. Something. Right? Um, And, of course, this becomes pretty important with emotion regulation because you know maybe you've been there where you've had an experience where you were if we think about it more conventionally using alcohol or you know marijuana or some other type of drug and you find I mean I'll just think about alcohol because people can run the gamut yes there are people who get very emotional and like weepy yeah sad sad, yeah sad drunks happy drunks sexy Um, drunks angry drunks yeah all varieties of drunkenness, and it absolutely. There's a reason why drunk texting is a thing they talk about. Drunk confessions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and I mean, the we're not going to get into a full blown conversation about addiction here or anything like that. But I think sometimes it's we do it either consciously or unconsciously where we seek out a substance of sorts. Again, whether it's more mild sure. like sugar, caffeine, or alcohol, or some, some sort of harder quote, drugs. Quote self medication. <laughs> Yeah, because we either want to feel a certain way, like we're seeking out a certain emotional experience, or we're trying to avoid a certain emotional experience, and we're hoping that the substance of choice will help us feel the emotion that we want to feel, and that can work, but it's very (laughs) short-lived. Um... And then again, sometimes... Whatever you're running from will come back to get you as soon as the substance wears off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You're not actually going to make it go away. It just gets blotted out for a bit. The sun isn't gone because it's cloudy. Yep. (laughs) Very true. Well, I think about it again with a more benign example, but like a sugar crash. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like, oh... Sometimes it makes it worse. Not even doesn't go away. It just actually exacerbates the problem. Yeah. It's like, I need some energy or whatever Depressants are called depressants for a reason. Yep. So just being really mindful, we're not in any way recommending that you stop drinking your daily coffee or (laughs) anything like that. Um, But, you know, this is something to tune into and notice if you haven't before of just what it does to your mood and your emotional state when you have it and what it does when you don't. don't. (laughs) (laughs) Because you may be really surprised 
at what happens to you emotionally when there's something that, again, especially if it's not what we would typically think of as a drug, something that you use on a regular basis, that then you, then it isn't there anymore. And emotionally, oh, how man. challenging that can I've be. I've gone a week with no caffeine and no sugar. Yeah. Um, I'm not even a big, I don't drink coffee much. I drink like mm-hmm. a cup of tea <laughs> most days. Single like, cup. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yet I felt like I had the flu. Legitimately, like going off of, and especially with the sugar, I've done other times where I did like no sugar for a period of time. Holy jeebus. Anyway, I don't know if anybody, I I don't know if I can recommend it because it's a terribly unpleasant experience, but it's interesting. You'll learn a lot about (laughs) how your relationship to sugar is uh, if you try to have none for a week. I don't know if I trust myself to try that. I wouldn't do it while we were working as yeah. therapists. I wouldn't. I can't. Yeah. You'd have to do it on a vacation week. <laughs> I would. Yep. Because I am. I am, you know, self-professed. I love candy. I love candy. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, sugar's my jam. I, I too, I'm not a coffee drinker. Yes, we live in Seattle, but I'm not a coffee drinker. Um, Sometimes tea. Occasionally I'll drink tea. But for the most part, I mean, I get my morning going with with nothing, which sometimes people are amazed by. It's not always easy, but I do it. But sugar, (laughs) sugar is my thing. Yep. So even if you don't think you have a mood-altering substance that you are using, you probably are. Yeah. And again, it's just something to notice of what it does to you emotionally when you're using it or when you're not. And again, I would encourage you to, without shame, without judgment of yourself, because like I said, we all probably have one of these things that we go to, but to really check in and notice, you know, am I using this as a band-aid of sorts when things aren't going the way that I want when I'm struggling with something, am I hoping in some way, even if it's not on a really conscious level, but hoping that this will make it better and give me the experience that I want? Yeah. Is that why I'm using this thing right now? And maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but it's something to Asking check Asking yourself about. the questions. Yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. Um, I don't have much to add to that. I like your thoughts there. Uh, I think it's just, I, I do, I, I do want to maybe just emphasize the thing you said at the last, which is to evaluate this. It may sound weird to say evaluate non-judgmentally, but without, you can evaluate good for you, bad for you mm-hmm. without saying that you are bad or good. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's yeah. sort of the differentiation I would, I would like to make sure you guys are mm-hmm. emphasizing. Um, notice, right? Whatever the substances are. Michelle was doing a lot of emphasizing on the day-to-day sort of more sneaky Mm-hmm. less conventional drugs, but um, as someone who I think has done more of the other than Michelle has. Uh, I can almost guarantee you have. <laughs> that, that, you know, right, that there's, I, I, want, I want to say, at least for me, that I try very hard to be non-judgmental of whatever substances might be in a person's life, as long as they're aware and they're looking at how they use what it does, how often, right? Like, mm-hmm. they are doing that evaluation, right? Are there times to let loose? Are there times to have fun? Are there times to do these sort of fun things um or even to maybe consciously be like i need to just take a brain break from whatever is going on in my life right now but make it a deliberate choice and make it time limited yeah right doing it today okay doing it for the next six weeks straight probably not right right so just be be very aware Yep. Of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how much, and how it impacts you. Yep. Right? There's a lot of room for, there's a lot of wiggle room, 
<laughs> there it is. Yeah. And gray area, but check it out. Definitely. And the other thing, I, I don't want to harp on this too much longer before you move on to the S, but um, the other thing that I just totally realized I forgot to mention is this applies to medications as well. Oh, um, yep. Over-the-counter medications, prescribed medications, um, again, go with what your doctor tells you to yeah, take. Don't, don't avoid your prescriptions. Your medications. <laughs> yes. don't, don't take them more than recommended. Um, however, that's something to notice, too. Even something as benign as, I don't know, a birth control pill. Oh, that yeah. affects your hormones, so that's going to affect your emotions. But uh, obviously, you know, antidepressants, um, medications meant to manage pain. ADHD, pain medications. Um, yeah. There are all different sorts of medications out there. And even if they're pretty benign, they can absolutely affect your mood and your emotional state in an either positive or negative direction. So if for any reason you have not been taking medications as prescribed by your doctor or taking too much of a medication prescribed by your doctor, again, that's just something to look at too of how is that affecting you emotionally? Yep. To either be taking it or not taking it. So moving on, we're on to the S, which is sleep. Ah, um, sleep. I know. Ah. That's my drug of choice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw, I don't even remember where, something on the internet a while that said something like, part of being an adult is I cannot remember the last time I was not at least a little bit tired. Um, and I connect with that so hard. Yeah. Um, so let me just say, preface this by saying most of us are probably fucking this one up, um, to some extent or another. And I don't know, I think for this whole list, a lot of this is just about awareness building. Mm-hmm. Right? So I know some people who, well, it's not their preference, can like bounce on out of bed on three or four hours of sleep and make it through their day as a relatively competent human being. Oh, I don't know how. Not but me. That's not me either. Dude, I struggle on sorry, I'm interrupting you entirely. Okay. But in case there's anybody else out there listening who is like me, because I I've come to accept you know like you are. <laughs> Well, I I don't know. I thought I was weird for a long time because yeah. everyone was like, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep. Eight hours of sleep does not work for me. I need six or I need nine. There's uh, something about my sleep cycle yeah, yep. where whenever I get eight I am waking up in the middle of a dream, and I am so groggy. Yep. It's really bad for me, but sometimes I'll catch myself. My body naturally wakes up a little bit after six, yep. and again, my happy place for me is nine. Yep. That's just where I hang out, and so don't be alarmed if you are not an eight-hour sleep person. Yeah. Yep. Bodies because, are different. Yeah, it's going to be different for everyone. Um, but... Some people, I think Michelle's talking about this a little mm -hmm. bit, right? Like, if you don't get the amount of sleep that you need, you are, like, borked, right? <laughs> you yeah. are confused. Maybe you're easily irritated, right? It gets Maybe. you off on the wrong yeah, foot Yeah, right? Woke with. up on the quote-unquote wrong side of the bed. Um, so, first of all, the first thing, awareness, is just how does sleep impact you personally? What amount of sleep feels good, you know, feels best to your body? Where do you wake up feeling refreshed, feeling, you know, like you've gotten enough and can mm -hmm. go through with it? So... So, so what is that for you? What is that unique number? Um, and then, you know, pay attention. Think back on memories or look at your day-to-day -day life, whichever one seems more reasonable, of what about when you sleep too little? Mm -hmm. What does that do to you? What about if you sleep too much? What does that do to you? Right? So raise this awareness of how, how sleep impacts you as 
a unique individual. And I think that's a big part of the process. And then see what you can do to try and tweak it. We're actually going to have a whole little episode about sleep. Um, so I'm not going to go too huge into it right now. Um, cause it's actually gonna be our very next episode, but like, look at your sleep hygiene, look at your sleep habits. Um, are there things you can do about the temperature of the room or the bedding or the hour you go to sleep or what you do before you go to bed or all these different things to give yourself the best chance of getting the amount of sleep that your body needs um, to be able to function well and thusly, uh, you know, to keep bringing it back. Michelle's been doing a better job of that this episode than I do at regulating your emotions, <laughs> right? Because if you, you know, all of this, I do think just some sort of resource or fuel tank or however you want to imagine it is a way to look at it. And sleep all, and food. Right? That's what you need to function. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. You need yep. those two things. Or you, or yeah, or you just don't. Yeah. Right? <laughs> go, go without sleep for... I don't know, long enough and you're like, you start hallucinating, you get like, yeah, like sleep deprivation, psychosis, like shit happens, man. Shit happens. (laughs) And I think they did, I I don't remember the details, so I may be completely getting this wrong, but I I heard a while ago about a study that did something that basically like, if you deprive someone of food and you deprive someone of sleep, what's worse for the body? Sleep. Sleep. Yep, that's worse. Yeah, we, we, we actually don't do as bad starving. Um, it's, it's still not good. But right. <laughs> don't, we don't recommend Yeah, please it, don't but. do either. Um, so, yeah, we'll go into more details on try, how to best get good sleep. But I think it's it's good to maybe even do some journaling. Like, try and figure out how, does, how, how do you interact with sleep? Mm-hmm. What's enough? What's too little? What's too much? And how do those things impact you? Yeah. And the other thing that I'll say about sleep, because I feel like I say this, one to myself sometimes, but also to clients too, is with some of these, right? With the other three that we've talked about so far with physical illness, eating, avoiding mood altering substances, you know, those are things that I feel like you can really course correct Mm. in the middle of your day, right? Hopefully you can eat something, even if it's just quickly, if you catch yourself getting hangry, or if you're in a fair amount of physical pain, maybe you're able to sit and rest for a little bit or take some, you know, again, as prescribed, like ibuprofen or yeah. something like that to help manage it. Stretch, and, do whatever it is that works for you. Yeah, do something with your body to maybe ease the pain, um, all of that. But with sleep, <laughs> I, you know, I say sometimes it's one of those things where if you didn't get a good night's sleep the day before and you feel it impacting you later in the day, for sometimes for me that won't hit until the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like I think I'm like, I'm going okay in the morning, even if it was a little <laughs> rough. But then in the afternoon, I'm it hits me and I'm reminded like, oh yeah, that's because I didn't sleep very well last night. And it's one of those it's things too where late. Yeah, it's it's not as easy to course correct as you might as you might think or as much as the other ones. Like some people might be like, Well take a nap. But that's not uh, always not feasible. Same. Well, not always possible and always not the same. Right. For me I often am tired yeah. more tired after a nap. I it have like that tells, experience all the time. It's like tells my body, You could be sleeping. You want to sleep. Yep. But we're only giving you thirty minutes. And my body's like, No Well, because for me, <laughs> power naps are just not a thing. Nope. If I'm napping, I need to nap for three hours. That's what I have found is my happy nap That place. makes sense to me. So it's like, even if I'm resting for like an hour, yep. my body's like, nope. You're just and more now, groggy and more tired and don't want to yeah. get Yeah. So it's an area, I think, to have some compassion for yourself around and just some understanding of like, okay, yep, I didn't get a good night's sleep the night before. 
and that may impact me the rest of today. Yep. <laughs> and I just need to, again, have awareness of that and just notice that. And if you can attend to some of the other things we've talked about, do it. Um, if you can't, then just have some compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and slow down to the degree that you're able and just notice and try to work with it and then aim to do better the next night we always get another chance with sleep that's the good thing (laughs) (laughs) kate made like a weird face like cross her fingers like i hope we do but you know i can guarantee you're gonna go to sleep tonight at some point and you can try again yep um Yep. Oh, and I guess I'm technically the next one. I was just talking so much, I lost track for a second. Fair. Fine. So, you didn't just look at me like, why aren't you talking, Kate? I did. I was like, <laughs> okay, your turn. No, oh, it's funny. Wait. I have baggage on yours, so I, I'm going to... Oh, okay. We'll go, we'll go cool. on yours when we get well, there. Well, I'm excited to hear you share about it because, right, we've been spelling out the word please, and the last E in please stands for exercise. So, again, I think there's a lot of things out there, like like we were just talking about with sleep, you know, that say, get eight hours, and same thing with exercise, get, what do I hear, Half 30 minutes, three yeah. times a week at least or something, I'll but yeah, I think I hear daily, day. Yeah. like that's ideal. There's all these things out there about how much you are supposed to exercise, and these ideas of what exercise can look like or should look like or whatever it is... Um, and that, I don't know, if you don't jo- join a gym, you're not exercising or something. There's all these things out there in society mm-hmm. about what this is, quote, unquote, supposed to look like. And, I don't know, throw it all out the window is what I want to say. <laughs> like, throw it all out the window. Because, again, going back to the PL with the physical illness piece, exercise may be very modified for you. There may not be a lot of exercise that you can do. And it's really just about this idea of moving your body. You're actually, I don't know, this is just me. You're exercising when you're vacuuming. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like sweeping. Sweeping. <laughs> yeah. Mopping. Yeah. All of those household chores things that we um, love. Oh, the, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know you were sarcastic, anyways. But, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like figure out what it looks like for you. For me, I really do not like to exercise unless I am exercising to music. That's why I like dance is my thing. thing. Um, running will never be my thing. That, I hate the idea of running. That's just not my form of exercise. I have great admiration for all of you out there who run, who bike, who hike. Great respect, because that's not how I exercise. That's not what works for me. Um, But, you know, the idea behind this and where it comes back to the emotion regulation aspect is that when we exercise, the happy chemicals in our brain are released. The dopamine, the serotonin all that good stuff gets released. And so that's why there is such a thing as a runner's high because typically you tend to feel better emotionally afterwards. Yeah, Yeah, the endorphins. Thank you. I was missing that word. Um, But yeah, it just, it can really boost your mood. It has the potential to do that in a relatively quick manner. So I would say some of these that can act fairly quickly, eating something can act fairly quickly, and exercise can act fairly quickly in changing your mood in a positive direction. So yeah. Now I want to hear what you have to say. Well, about actually, it. I like it. You kind of rephrase things already in a way that I like. Um, so my baggage is with the word exercise anyway, mm-hmm. just to begin with. 
Um, I'm guessing that since, you know, this isn't visual, I'm, I don't know how many people have visited, I don't know, my website or whatever, but most of those are headshots anyway, I am a bigger lady. Um, and so I have, and I've talked to a number of other humans who have a lot of fracking baggage around the word exercise, right? Because this can be packed with a lot of shame, right? A lot of shooting on ourselves, a lot of being shooted on by society for what we're, what we should be doing. So... I have actually, um, and bear with me to the end of this thought, told uh, most of my clients, Michelle, um, that I hope they never exercise ever again. Um, because I want to banish the word. <laughs> Which is funny, because I love words and I normally want to hoard them like a dragon. Um, but I would, <laughs> I would banish exercise. Um, and what I always want people to replace it with is, and you already used this phrase, moving your body. Mm -hmm. Right? Move your body. How do you love to move? How do you love to move? And this can be, again, I love that Michelle was talking about modifications. Um, I have a back injury. I have a knee injury. There's a lot of stuff that I used to be able to do that I can't so well anymore or things that I need to do in a modified fashion because of those injuries. Um, but how do you love to move? Do you love to swim? Do you love to garden? Do you love to run? Do you love to hike? Do you love to play with dance? your kids? Play with your kids? Play with your pets? <laughs> play with your pets, right? Mm -hmm. Do you like whatever it is, but... Come, come at it from a place of joy instead of a place of shame, mm -hmm. right? And, and a place of listening to your body because your body will respond differently to movement that you love than it does to movement you are forcing yourself through. Um, it's a very different experience yeah. for your immediate mood. Even if you're, even if, you know, in there, your endorphins and your other chemicals are being produced, if really consciously you're like, I fucking hate this, I yeah. don't want to be here, I don't want to be doing it, that's going to be a pretty steep hill to climb out of <laughs> mood-wise, right? So mm -hmm. find ways you can move joyfully. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, despite the fact that it's an E, I would somehow replace it with the M of move your body. We would right? make a really We'd totally different word. Uh, <laughs> Right, so just, just right, find find joy uh, in how you want to move your body. And if you, like me and like many others I know, have a lot of baggage around the idea of exercising, you can make it go away. Um, I also like that Michelle was talking about smaller things. I think a lot of people have an all-or-nothing attitude about exercise. Like, mm -hmm. if I can't go and work out for an hour and a half, well, then, then, what's, the then what's the point? Yeah. I'm not going to do anything. Move for three minutes. Like, just move. Move your body. Do a silly little dance while you're waiting for that thing to boil on the stove, right? Like, it doesn't, any amount of it is better than none of it, mm -hmm. right? So try and ditch that all or nothing attitude. Try and ditch that there's only one right way to do this. And just find ways to move with joy. Yep. And I really like that you emphasized how that's going to make the experience different from the beginning when you're doing movement that you want to do. Yep versus movement that you feel like you have to do, that's going to hugely affect you emotionally what attitude you're going into it yep. with, then how you're going to feel during it and after it. Well, and, not, and trying, and I know this is, again, hard, but to not shame your body while you're doing it. Yeah. Right? If you're going to do something that is joyful but it's hard, don't just sit there the whole time going like, well, I could be doing this if I were more in shape, if I weren't so fat, if I were, mm -hmm. like, whatever. Like, nah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stop. Because um, <laughs> that also is going to be a steep hill to climb out of for whatever benefits you're going to be getting from the movement if you're sitting there shaming yourself yep. and your body for its limitations or for its current <clears throat> shape or for whatever. Mm -hmm. Right? So do things that are joyful and meet yourself where you are. Um, the things you do more often are, to some extent, going to get easier. 
right? So if today you can only dance around the kitchen for three minutes, okay. If you dance around the kitchen for three minutes every day for three weeks, I guarantee you're going to be dancing for five by the end. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're going to, it's going to get easier and there's going to be more of it. So. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's also really important that you brought this element in of, you know, as we're talking about these things, and this is where I struggle with the police skill a little bit because I so want to make it clear to people that we are not just talking about the skill. And DBT doesn't just have the skill to be like, do the things you're supposed to do, you know, or to get, reinforce these messages that we already hear yeah. so often. I mean, especially, I've been noticing this lately through advertisements Jesus. on TV. I've yes. been seeing so much about, like, Peloton, I'm going to name drop, Peloton, or, like, just other things where it's like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is what taking care of yourself looks like. And this is not just about taking care of yourself. This is really about how to have it be that as you're going through your day, you can be balanced and centered. And all of these things help you get into a wise mind yep. place for sure, where you're not so pulled into your emotion mind when you're making decisions yep. or in how you're interacting with people. You can feel like you're the best version of yourself. And being the best version of yourself has nothing to do with like the weight you are, your appearance, anything like that. These things are not just here to be like... Shame tools. Right. Shame tools of like, just do these things and then you're going to, you know, lose weight and you're going to feel better about yourself and you're going to blah, 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 blah. Ugh, so much eye rolling. Yeah. Like that is not what this is about at yeah. all. We want, this is, I think please is best used as a way to understand yourself mm -hmm. as sort of an assessment tool. Um, because I think we've said, we say this more, I think most of the time, but I, it bears repeating. It's just no one's perfect at these. Mm-hmm. You're never, I've been, no, never ever, not on a single day are you going to be like, I have done all of these perfectly for a week now, right? Like, this yeah. is just, but you can be like, oh, I'm having a really big struggle with my emotions this week. Oh, you know what else I've been struggling with this week? I have been eating like shit and I haven't been sleeping. Mm -hmm. Maybe those are two things I can address a little bit that might help me have more resources to be more emotionally balanced. Right. Right? It's an assessment tool. It's a, it's a, it's a clue. Yep. <laughs> Right, you can play the play the game of Clue with why might I be having a harder time emotionally today? Yeah, <laughs> and then you can work on you know move, fix, work on those moving forward. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about it as fixing because you're not broken, but mm -hmm. right, like what can I do to help give myself the best opportunities to you know yep. be balanced, give myself yeah. the most resources to work with. Yep, please is the starting point, yeah. um, and this is the thing where sometimes when we're teaching this module. Um, and clients are telling us about, you know, something they were struggling with or a moment they had where emotionally they didn't respond in the way they wanted to. <laughs> this is what I tend to go back to yeah. as like, well, where were you at with please? And <laughs> because I think like you're mentioning really well, Kate, a lot of the time, what of these five things? One or more. <laughs> is, yeah, one or more was present. Yeah, and was off kilter. was a factor in why you, you know, were struggling emotionally. <sighs> And we all struggle with these things yep. from time to time. So that's what they are here for. So what we want to say this week for homework is to pick one that you struggle with. This was, again, a good introduction into something we've been talking about with DBT, about how there are oftentimes multiple skills in one. Now you guys are starting to yep. get a taste of that. And 
we encourage you to pick one of these five to start with. Whether it is tending to your pain or an illness that you have, eating habits, avoiding mood-altering substances, sleep or exercise, pick one and pick one <laughs> way to change it. Don't try to do four things at once yeah. to improve your eating. Pick one. Um, yeah. So really narrow it down and really get specific for yourself about which of these you think you struggle with the most and one way you can take a step towards changing it. And then, <clears throat> of course, the follow-up to that, because this is about emotion regulation, is to then notice what that does to your mood and how you feel emotionally when you do make that change in one of these areas. Mm -hmm. Um, and send us emails, guys. Um, please, we like them. Please. We like them. <laughs> please send us emails about please or anything else. Um, dbtandmepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how things are going for you guys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I think we're ready for closing, closing moment. Closing moment. All right. So, as usual, start by just getting comfy wherever you are. Whether that be sitting down or lying down. Just get cozy. If you're able and comfortable doing so, I invite you to close your eyes. And as usual, start by tuning into your breath. You don't have to breathe any more slowly or any more deeply than you do naturally and normally. It's just about paying attention, about letting your breath welcome you into your body and into the moment. And now I'd invite you to turn even more inward and really open up a channel of communication between you and your body. You might do a sort of quick modified body scan just to check in from your feet all the way up to your head. And notice, do you have any pain? Are there any muscles or joints or any part of your body that is hurting or experiencing some other form of discomfort. If and when you've found that place where maybe your muscles could use some relaxation or maybe your posture could use adjusting or, you know, whatever it is that your body's telling you, I'd like you to bring your focus to that part of you. Just rest your attention there and rest it there with kindness. Often when we experience pain or discomfort, the first instinct is to try and turn away from it, is to try and shun it or shut it out. And that often leads to more tension, to more pain in that area as our bodies fight with whatever's going on try and hold it back, try and keep it from affecting us. And also just because we're not paying attention, maybe we overuse that part of ourselves and cause the injury to progress further or hurt worse. So for now, just tune into it. Be kind to it. Focus your attention on it with gentleness and with a lack of judgment. Take a couple of moments and Kind of breathe into that space. If there's any muscle tension where you find yourself in pain or discomfort, <clears throat> see if you can let it go. See if with each breath you take in and let out, 
You can release those muscles just a little bit more. If it feels good to do so, you might even try holding the part of your body that's hurting. Bring some warmth and some touch to it. But really, this is about attending. This is about being tender with ourselves, meeting ourselves where we are and not turning away. As we're doing this, you might notice the tension easing, you might notice the pain lessening, or you might not. In either way, that's okay. This is an opportunity for you to notice where you are and to maybe make some different decisions as you move out of this moment. Maybe you can get up and take a walk if that's what your body is needing. Maybe you can go and lay down if that's what your body is needing. Maybe you could stretch. Maybe you could get a heating pack. Maybe you could get an ice pack. Maybe all you can do is let your body know that you're here, that you notice, that you listen, that you care. Whatever it is that you can do, just take a moment to pay attention with kindness to whatever it is that your body needs you to notice right now. Now I'd invite you as usual to take a two or three deep breaths and allow your attention to come back out of the space where you were. You might even invite your attention into other parts of your body by rolling your wrists or ankles, rolling your shoulders or neck, and just coming back into the moment and into the room. And have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thanks, guys. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.